Welcome to Where Wine Takes You, a wine podcast, a podcast where people, wine stories, backgrounds all come together to paint a picture that even though today you only hear, but when you come, when you experience it, it lights up all five of your senses, puts them in overdrive in a way that no other wine country is doing now, and that's Paso Robles. I'm your host, Adam Montiel. Well, we will talk more about WineFest as it is approaching quickly. Get ready. May 19th through 22nd. I mean, this is a WineFest for the ages. New, exciting venue, new VIP pass level. I know I'll be broadcasting live on the Crush 92.5. They got live music on different stages, close to 100 wineries. And like, this is the event to be at. I'll save you 20% off on your ticket too when you're at PasoWine.com and you use the promo code WWTY. Abbreviated, of course, where wine takes you. So use that promo code WWTY when you check out and are getting your Wine Fest tickets. All right. So today we meet Ikimi DuBose with the Roots Fund. The Roots Fund was created to nourish and enrich the lives of communities of color in the wine industry. She and a team of scholarship benefactors, folks wanting to learn more about how they can grow in the wine industry, they came to Paso. They got a hands-on approach. Not only did they live it up, but they went to work. We're going to hear all about it. Also, how Paso grows by partnering with groups like the Roots Fund. Along with Ikimi, we meet Molly Scott. Not only does she handle growing relations for Justin Wine, she's also the director of their community outreach as well as president of the board for the Paso Robles Wine Country Alliance. Molly's fantastic, and I can't wait to hear what they had set up for this group to do, to see, to drink, to experience. I show up to Justin's Tasting Room downtown Paso, across from the park on 12th Street. Just like their main location on the far west side on Chimney Rock Road, the atmosphere, classy, welcoming, and they do a lot more than wine taste here. I had some great food there. I highly recommend going in there. Come hungry, because the food is wonderful. We come into the conversation here. We're chatting about just how stacked their itinerary was for them during their visit. Give me that moonshine, we'll get by, we pass on down till the job is camped out in the trees. It will simplify good company. Let me keep you busy, huh? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I was just talking to Chris about what he does for a trade show. I said, Chris, this is, we're not a trade group. This is too much. He's like, normally they go from 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. I was like, they're all drunk. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't <laughs> care what anyone tells you. They're all Cheers. drunk. <laughs> Cheers. This is going to be a lot of fun. I'm really excited about this. I was just learning. We're talking. We're jumping on the air about uh, I came in like, how, how busy they're keeping you going. You have been like nonstop. And we're like, what, day three of four? Yes. No, this today's day four. Oh, today, today's today Thursday. Oh my gosh! Okay. Welcome to Paso. Time. Has it gone by? What, what has it been like when you get back to your room and your your head hits the bed at night? Is just like whew. I've never seen a group of grown women pass out in thirty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> like there's like a shower fight. Well, fortunately, we've got multiple bathrooms. Yeah. And everybody's just like, oh, we're gonna do all these things. I think last night was the first night we stayed up. Yeah. And kind of just recapping, you know, everyone's personal journeys, getting them to share. So that's another big part of the trip that we don't even realize is happening. You know, you've got random people coming together and, you know, learning about each other and learning about their journeys. And you'll find out how many things they have in common that they can help each other with. So what was your exposure to Paso before we get into the Roots Fund? What was your exposure to Paso before we're meeting today? I would probably tell you I've been to Paso once. 
um, it was going on like a wine trip with my girlfriends. We came here, and I was just like, whoa, the high alcohol in these wines. We got to get out of here. All these Rome varieties, I got to go. This isn't my scene. And they didn't really understand wine, so they couldn't really appreciate it. But I knew for sure. I've heard nothing but great things about Paso. And this is when I was younger, 20s. Yeah. Maybe coming this way. It did not look the way it looks now. Like, I yeah. feel like this is a whole new town. It's a whole new town now compared to what I saw before. And then just and working with the Roots Fund, you know, meeting other wine alliances, associations is super important to connect. So when I connected with Chris and Joe, I was like, yeah, this is this needs to be a thing. I'm curious. And I want you to be brutally honest, as I would only assume you would be <laughs> meeting different wine alliances. Where does the hospitality stack up? Where does the the education and en- en- enlightening you to what we're about stack up? And then what are you just getting? And absorbing and digesting from the town as well, I think compared to other alliances and stuff. Yeah, I think it's uh, about so alliances that are built around people who live and work here, not just maybe a celebrity winery or doctors and lawyers who bought some land. These are actually people who work the land, who understand it, who support each other. That's really what makes the difference. That's definitely the energy and the vibe that I get here in Paso. Yeah. So that's definitely made the trip more informative and just the education from everyone. It's almost as if they've all talked together and decided we're all going to speak about these different parts. <laughs> you know, we're going to put this together. They're all in on it. Yeah. And you really, and you really need someone that has strong knowledge of the terroir and the region and the history. You know, because that's what plays into how all the vineyards got here, how the vines got here, who yeah. brought what, you know, starting out with Tablas Creek was for me, that was my moment because regenerative farming, what they're doing, how they're setting the standard for that for the world says volumes. And it's like, it's impossible. And people are like, really? Yeah. You know, so it's always kind of surprising. I think often we affiliate wine with certain parts of our world and don't necessarily look at regions who are really doing great wine. And a lot of other regions are buying their grapes, and they just don't mention it. So, Oh, um. you're on to something there. <laughs> You've been telling a story that folks in Paso and farmers in Paso have been all too yeah. familiar with. See, that's so interesting. And pretty fitting that we're in a place like Justin, where by all accounts, a name that is now you know familiar across yes. the country and on shelves and on wine lists, but has a very... OG pioneering time of Paso, like, you know, in the early 80s and stuff like that. And when, you know, talking to Justin Baldwin in our conversation, you got to go back and listen to that episode, even if you just hear him talk about his sweater game. Uh, <laughs> but talking to Justin about uh, those early days, Molly, and like what it was like. And you drive to Justin and, you know, you now we're in your downtown location, but you would drive out there and you probably wouldn't hit another winery all your way there, you know? Right. Well, actually, I was going to text you and ask if you saw the elk on your drive into town yesterday that we passed <laughs> After oh we my met. gosh, I didn't. <laughs> I would have definitely yeah. no, took a video a, of that. There was a beautiful uh, elk uh-huh. um, mowing the lawn on the side of the road um, on our way back into town. So yeah, no, it is, uh, it's another world. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Molly, it's great to see you again. How you been? Thank you. Good. Thanks for having me. So not only are you the Director of Community Relations and Grower Relations yeah. here at Justin, yeah. but you are also the President of the Board yes. for the Pastor Robles Wine Country yeah, Alliance. I am. Yes. Happily. Talk about why we wanted to uh, align with Roots and what about them was so special. Sure. I think Joel and I sat down. Well, actually, we've been talking to Aikimi for almost a year yeah. now. Yeah. This is actually kind of a long time in the works. And when Joel and I sat down, it really came to kind of focal focalizing on some of our initiatives. So the Pass Robles Wine Country Alliance wanted to identify a few areas that we wanted to 
really draw attention to from only not only a needs basis, but also something that can be kind of a long-term initiative for our group and to um, draw support onto providing opportunities for people of color within the wine industry. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm curious to talk about the Roots Fund, where it started, and how you crossed paths with Paso. Oh, awesome. So it began about 19 months ago. Myself, uh, Carlton McCoy, the master sommelier, also managing partner at Lawrence uh, Family Estates, and Tahira Habibi of the Hughes Society, which is probably the large uh, black wine professional network. And we kind of got together. We've all had these great, illustrious careers, culinary, hospitality, wine industry, and got a lot of awards and accolades. And we think when we go out in the room, we were seeing each other, the same kind of five or six people every single time, not really seeing any new faces, knowing that we were in management roles and not really being able to bring up new faces. So the whole purpose of our organization is to create a space for people of color to get education and why creating safe spaces where they can learn, um, where there's no pretension, where there's no pressure. Like people can just ask the questions that they're feeling inside and understanding wine. Because in our communities, you don't find wine shops. You're finding them now. Yeah. But a lot of major communities, especially around the country in big cities, are liquor stores. And those liquor stores sell spirits. Yeah. And you might find a Moscato. Right. And that's the wine. And unfortunately, when you market one thing to one particular group of people, that's what will resonate with them. And our whole image is about bringing them in, seeing the entire wine industry, giving them mentorship, and more importantly, giving them careers ways for them to be able to communicate and understand the wine industry and feel like they can be successful. A historically underrepresented group of men and women, and all of a sudden, more of these conversations as of, yeah. you know, summer of 20, more conversations that have needed to happen for a long time are now beginning to happen. Yeah. When you were putting your uh, ear to the street and your finger on the pulse of what folks of color were, were thinking and, and looking into when it came to the wine industry, what were some of those barriers? What were some of those kind of hurdles that you um, were to like, you know, I want to help men and women see over through these things? Yeah. So it's one having not only the access, but levels of support. So, for instance, with certification, a certification might cost you $1,100. That's the easiest part of it. But no one tells you about the study groups, buying the wine and traveling around the world to study. Those are the roadblocks that we kept hearing. People were like, I can't afford to do this. I have no one to mentor me. I've applied for several positions. I've got all these certifications and I can't get a job. Why is this not happening for me? I'm networking or I can't get invited to events. There are a lot of wine events that are very, like, inclusive to older white men, not even to women. Forget people of color. You don't even see women in these spaces that are now evolving and changing and realizing the necessity. But I think more importantly, the world's changing and people are realizing that we need to get this new age of people in that are drinking wine, that are traveling. People who are like, I got a girl's trip every year. I want to come to Paso with my girlfriends for a whole week. That's the energy and the vibe you want to bring in. So that means you're going to see more women, more people of color, but you can't attract them if they don't see themselves in their spaces. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. You know, if, you, if they don't see that reflection of them in these scenes and in these spaces, how are folks, uh, how are they, or even how, you know, folks younger than them going to see and grow up and see these places to be places where, where they want to hang out, where they want to be. And you're right. I mean, the, the people who are buying wine are all sorts and, and especially now the, the younger generation um, regardless of, of ethnicity or race they're, they're choosy what they what they drink they're smart about it they want to learn about it they want to yeah. know about it it's an interesting it's an interesting buyer that we're seeing though isn't it it is yeah. I think that they're more um, challenging they're they care less about scores 
more about what makes them feel good. Yeah. They care about hospitality. Yeah. They care about seeing people around in like vibrant places. They want they want great experiences. Yeah. That's what they're attracted to. What part of the industry I'm really curious about this. What part of the industry are you seeing the men and women that are benefiting from the work of the Roots Fund wanting to get into? Is it sales and marketing? Is it distribution? Is it production? Is it like I wanna make wine or is it I wanna, you know, sell wine or be an educator? So I think that there's a lot more around education, a lot more around the sales and distro piece. Um, I do see a lot more of our scholars, too, gravitating towards hospitality programs. You know, a lot of them have left the restaurants because of the pandemic. They've closed. You know, there are very few places given elite service. Even a lot of fine dining places have now taken beverage directors to oversee multiple properties. So you don't see a bunch of high-level psalms in one place anymore. They just can't afford the overhead. So you've seen those people transitioning into sales, coming into wineries to run tasting rooms because they have this elite level of service and they want to give it at a different level. Not saying it's casual, but they want to give those crafted experiences and tasting rooms and things of that nature. You also see a lot more people. um, Production for us, we're really pushing because there's a big disconnect with people of color and the wine industry working the land just because of what has been affiliated with it over time with our culture of people, but kind of getting them back to that, really understanding that, creating that level of equity. That's interesting, like farming. Yeah. So um, rootsfund.org, therootsfund.org is the website. And if someone's listening and they're like, you know, is this for me? Who are we talking to? Are we talking about folks who kind of want to break into the industry? Obviously, I think it'd be great to talk to folks who are already leaders in ways that they could perhaps help you help folks. Yeah. So if you're, if you're desiring to be a scholar, so if you're in need of education, whether it is to move your career or just get wine knowledge, our general scholarships are open four times a year. Um, so they will be open kind of uh, right around the time that this episode comes out. So that's great. So join the newsletter on our website. If you're someone that works in industry, and the biggest misnomer I get about mentors is you have to be a person of color. No, there aren't that many. I would never be that... I would never discriminate against that. I want people from all walks of life. It's more important to me. Like, We need people who run tasting rooms. We need people that are in marketing, in journalism, who are managing growers and community profiles. Like, These are important. These are desirable jobs. You know, Our scholars just visiting Justin's and all the properties and going around with the winemakers and the vineyard manager that you know Molly brought to us. It was fascinating for them. They didn't even know a position like hers existed. Right. So to hear about that and think about the transferable skills that you have, help us bring more people into this industry. So I'm curious of your history. What, um, you know, you talked about the founders of the Roots Fund and all of their different paths. What was your path that brought you into the the podcast is called Where Wine Takes You? And how (laughs) did you get into what brought you here? So for me, I started out as a chef in the industry. I actually polished silverware at the World Trade Center Marriott. was my first job in the kitchen. Is that right? Yeah, because I was so eager to work. And they told me, hey, the chef here doesn't hire women. He'll never promote you. You'll work. Maybe you'll get a job peeling potatoes. And then one day someone peeling potatoes called out and I got to peel potatoes. And I was like, I love this stuff. And then someone on the line had called out and I got to get on the line. And he was someone who was very vocal. I don't support women. I don't believe their place is in a restaurant kitchen. They belong in a home kitchen. This is what I grew up in. Turned sounds, out like to a, be, sounds like a very pleasant individual. Yeah. God, very welcome. Turned Thanks. out to be my biggest supporter. Wow. Um, assisted with my scholarship. I went to Johnson & Wells, you know, all the way full ride. And a big part of that was his financial support as well as another organization called CCAP that I was a part of. Carlton was a part of, too, that started the organization with me. They put us through school. 
Our parents couldn't afford it. That wasn't even something that was an option. I grew up in a household where when you were done high school, you get a city job. That's security. That's going to get you a pension. You'll be able to work all the time. And I was just like, mm, I don't think a city job is for me. Yeah. Um, I thought I was going to be a lawyer. And I was like, mm, I love arguing, but I don't love it in this setting. Yeah. Let me become a That's chef. That's a great way. My mom always said yeah. that. You should be a lawyer. You're going to be a lawyer. I'm like, <laughs> I like arguing, but not in this setting. That was the one thing I was going to say. Not in this setting. That's so perfect. It's not working, but working through that. And then I unfortunately had like a really bad back surgery. And when I came back, you're on light duty. You can't work on light duty in the kitchen. Mm. But the chef was like, I don't want to lose you. You're the best. I don't want to lose you in the kitchen. We're going to put you out in the dining room. You can go out there and be pretty. So I was like, oh, okay, great. I'll go out there. I kind of took it for granted, but I actually turned to love it. And by the time it was time to go back in the kitchen, there was an AGM role available. And all the guys in the kitchen were like, this is the best communication we've ever had front of the house, back of the house. You're an amazing chef, but you've already mastered this craft. You've traveled the world. You've done great culinary things. You've gotten awards. You should stay out front and try to master this. So it became a challenge for me. And going through wines when I started, I hated it. Put a Savion Blanc in front of me. I spit it out. Put a Rome wine. I was like, this tastes like pure alcohol. This is horrible. All the wine tastings every day in the dining room, I could not get through it because no one educated me. No one in the dining room taught me about this. Look, just go over to tables. You're good with talking to people. No one wanted to teach me. And then our psalm quit. And a new one came in, and he was like, you're the AGM, but you don't know about wine? Every day, he began to teach me. I began to read books. That's how I learned all about wines in the industry. Like, a lot of people go, I don't have any certifications. I don't sit here and pretend like I do. But my knowledge is very vast because I've actually traveled the world in these regions, spoken to these producers all while working in the front of the house. So that kind of, like, you know, ties it all together. Yeah. I, like you, have no, in fact, I don't pretend to really know anything about wine, but with the Cork Dork show that I did and with this podcast, we're just so lucky to, you know, sit down with folks like Molly yeah. or know folks like Joel. And, and then as you have been here the last few days, you've seen just how willing folks of all different places yeah. in the industry are willing to just open their hearts, open their, their minds and say, hey, come on in, let, let's chat. And you, you do. It turns out I've learned a thing or two, yeah. you know? It's pretty exciting, isn't it? I drink what my palate deserves. That's yeah. what I tell people. That's the, that's the secret to the sauce. Yeah. Drink what your palate deserves. What do you mean by that? I think that's pretty genius. I love that. <laughs> I know what I like. It's yeah. not wrong or uh-huh. right how I describe it. I love to drink everything. There are just some things that resonate more with me than others. Mm-hmm. You know, I love being a apostle because I love a big bowl, right? Yeah. So I was excited to come here to see what combinations, you know, because the smallest percentage can change a whole wine. Yeah. You know, I've seen some reds here mixed with Viognier and I was like, who does that? Yeah, right. The co-firm. I love it. Yeah, pretty cool. You know, just mm-hmm. seeing the different varieties blended, just how the terroir is here. Remembering that this town was under sea level still blows my mind. I know. If I see another fossil or limestone, sure? I'm just or like... Or a whale bone, you're like, what? I'm just like, what is going on? So I that's know. great, you is know. And But more importantly, another thing that really resonated with me here, I've seen a lot of women in, like, really key roles that are game changers for these. Like, seeing Molly and her team, I was like, what? All these women? Yeah. We couldn't even believe it in the van. They were like, it was a lot, it's a lot of women here. Yeah, the, we have the owner of uh, Epic Estate Wines on. Yeah. And his whole executive team, all women. You're right. And it's so funny here because I've joked with women winemakers about doing like the woman winemaker mm-hmm. thing is almost like a little cliche now because it's not weird to see them flourishing around here, owning a yeah. business. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which is where it's supposed to be, right? And yeah. kind of the goal, I think, with the Roots Fund, too, is to find all these, you know, historically underrepresented represented men and women and represent yep that's the key goal and and partnering with people who really care about it you know and 
we first reached out. I will be honest. We first reached out to Alliance. I think the first person I talked to was Joel, maybe. Maybe it was Joel, and I was nervous. And then it was Joel and Chris, and I was like, boo, it's just a bunch of guys. They're never going to do this. <laughs> and then Molly came on, such a vibrant spirit. I looked her up. I looked up Justin's. Yeah. You know, because I had sure. seen Justin's out and about, but I was like, I haven't even tried that wine before. But looking at her role, her position, all it was, and I was like, yeah, she's... She's manning this board. Let's get in here. Let's do something great with her. That always tells me that people are open. You're looking for change, and you're, like, really doing something actionable. Yeah. It's cool, because I, I work with a radio station as well for my day job, and I've worked with, you know, Paso Wine in partnership with them for, you know, over a decade. And that's one thing I've always seen. So I'm sure once you got a chance to know, and, like, especially, I mean, Joel is, like, you know, one of the nicest souls, you know, in this town, for sure. He's okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm curious, um, what are some of the things? So we're, like, day four or four in your Paso, your recent trip. I got to meet you at Blendfest. Yeah. Uh, about a month or so ago. That was cool. Did you have fun at Blendfest? That was Awesome. They're cool to have all these wineries. I, I could not one get through spot. everything. I don't know how people got through all of it. I know. And right. you're like, oh my gosh, great wine in my glass. Oh my gosh, the ocean. Yep. Great wine in my glass. Sunset. <laughs> I mean, great wine in my glass. Friendly people. Like, you're just like, this is too cool. So um, it's always cool to, f- to focus on the North Coast. And our, our events, I mean, I'm sure you've heard about Wine Fest. Yep. I mean, we just got to get you a, a parking spot outside the Alliance <laughs> and an Airbnb. We can just put you in any time. We got to get you back out here all year long. I mean, there's so many things going on. Yeah. And there's a lot of things that I think people just don't know about that yeah. I think they will enjoy. And for the Roots Run, people are always asking us where we go and why do we select these places. And it's important that we don't shelter their eyes. We show the, I show them every aspect of wine, all different parts of this country. Because a lot of times, too, we automatically think international is where wine is. Right. But there's great wine growing right here. And we just really need to expose them to that. But you need the support and the help of organizations like you know, the Wine Alliance that will support you and invite you to come out and coordinate trips for our scholars that really give them some great education. Yeah, it's so cool you say that because one thing that we've loved doing with this podcast in like the year and a half we've been doing it is just telling the story of Paso. And it's so cool to partner with an organization like yours because there's so many folks, men and women that you're representing that are a part of the story and need to be ushered into this story of Paso. And mm-hmm. I think it's a really cool partnership with both um Curious of some of the things that you've done while you've been here so far. Went to Tablas or any places you ate that stuck out or any other places that you went that just like, oh my God, what's going on? Okay, so I was in love with the food at Tooth and Nail. Yes. Because I love the energy there. It gives me New York hipster person yeah. that not only grows vines, maybe sells edibles. It's weird. Sure. No, I totally places. get it. Yeah. Some of the art you walk by in there, you're like, this is super cool. You know, they got a great winemaker and a great story. And the experience there yeah. is just so much fun. Super diverse team, great food, great story, talking about the artwork and just the way they're doing things. And I love that they're like challenging the status quo, you know, doing different types of fermenting. So to be able to see that and taste one wine over a long different process was was great. Like we absolutely love that. Um, I think uh, with this trip, it was a lot about terroir which a lot of people don't pay attention to. So I love going to Tablas Creek. I love going out with Molly to be able to see vines, old vines. New vines, like what's the reason behind why they're planted this way? What about irrigation? A lot on dry farming. I get really nervous when people say dry farming. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're never going to get any grapes out of this. Yeah. (laughs) But hearing about the power of limestone in the soil, touching it, being able to understand that. um, This overall blanket of like hospitality. I see that everywhere. And that's why people want to come because I'm just like, 
are your wine clubs suffering? Are your memberships suffering? And no one on this trip mentioned that. They're like, no. Yeah. We're doing pretty good. We're yeah. picking up new people. A lot of folks with these strong direct-to-consumer yeah. relationships, man, they were selling wine. They were doing some of the best months ever. And then when it came time to welcome people back, man, it's like, come on, let's do this. They're ready. Yeah, I think that um, they talked a lot about their DTC here and about some of the great ways they're looking to bring in people. A very heavy presence on marketing and social. I really love that. And then I think when we think about food at a winery, we think kind of like farm to table, tons of charcuterie and cheese, and yeah. that's all you get. And then we went to Dow today to see that Lebanese aspect coming into it. And a lot of other places, especially that sell wine, will tell you, We'll never serve food like that. The flavors are too strong. It will kill our wine. They were serving like their Pinot with it, their big cab, you know, and they're coming out with Domas and, and Kebna and stuff like that, like that are high flavored spices, things like that. But they've learned how to coordinate it with their wine and their team was so well versed. So I love that, too. You know, they were able to come out and tell you, no, you should try this with this. But then at the end, they were like, try it with everything. Yeah, do what you want. Do what you want. Yeah. But this is just what Do we what suggest. your palate deserves. There you go. Do <laughs> what your palate deserves. Full okay, circle. so tooth and nail. Anywhere else? <laughs> any other little places we want to shout out or kind of things that stood out to you? Um, anything. Even if you had a... How about so, packing, those, packing that wine club with Janelle? Yes. That they was got, awesome. They got dirty and physical. Packing up the wine boxes, looking at the whole... I was like, don't put that in that box. Yeah. <laughs> That's not a good wine. She said it's tear on the label. Don't put that in there. Yeah. So just talking about building a wine club. Yeah. I think a lot of our scholars work in that space, and there are a lot of positions for that now. So they're going to see that. And these were two women just running through it and getting through the machines and to go on the line and work with them. That was completely awesome. Going to Turley, you know, and talking about hospitality and service and what that means and talking about um, there was a heavy conversation around the leadership there, like what the CEO and the fa- what it means to work with a family versus a corporation, you know, kind of giving those Great contrasts, point. but more importantly, how they encourage growth. So that was important because I think a lot of people are hesitant to move into this space because they don't think that there are opportunities. But at Turley, she talked about, no, there's a pathway. Like, we want you to feel encouraged. So for them to hear that and see that and see people coming around and kind of talking to that, I think resonated with everyone. Yeah. The whole trip has been fantastic. That's so I mean, cool. Great wines, great people. And I think that's what makes wine is about sharing. So you can't, I can't sit at the table of people I don't like with good wine. Even the best wine doesn't make the conversation better. Right. We so. figure like, you know, sitting at a table here in Paso, uh, maybe at LPC or Il Cortile, mm-hmm. and, and that person can tell the story of the local food or of the wine because it's from the backyard. It's, yeah. oh, that's right down the freeway. That's right up Vineyard. But I imagine for you how important it is to, to really feel this be here because when you tell that story, you know, 2,000, 4,000 miles away, mm-hmm. it's, it's really got to resonate. It's really got to bring people in. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Ideally, it's about our scholars getting to know this region. Mm -hmm. And they'll go back and tell other scholars. And then people want to start posting jobs with us. You know, and a lot of the wineries we met here is like, I can't how do we connect on that level? That's important. That really says something about the relationship here and the ties that we'll make that will be long term. But we want to get people to come here to visit because that will be educational for them, regardless of the Roots Fund. And then getting our scholars to come here, work and get involved in the community here like that. That's the long-lasting impression. Yeah. Also, the fact that you've got this jazz club. Uh-huh. What in the world? Right. Okay. I know. Amazing. Amazing. It was like a piano jam session. Did you get a chance? So you went down? You, you yeah. You a chance to hang? 
Yeah. That was a he played for us. I was just like, what? I know. What is this guy doing in Paso? I know, right? Yeah, sure. He should be like in LA somewhere. But even in that moment, don't tell like that was my (laughs) But even in that moment to yourself, it said like, How did this guy end up here in Paso Mm -hmm. and doing this great movement of great music? Like for me in New York, the vibe is always great food, great music, great wine. Like that's something that brings people together, like the success for him is it just speaks volumes because you would think that would only be in like in LA. Yeah, in a major metro area. Yeah, and it's not. It's like here, like the scholars are like, hey, there's a show at the jazz club tonight before we go. And I'm like, guys, we don't, we're not a member. We, don't, we can't get tickets. It's like the VIP. Mm-hmm. You can't even get in there. You know, we've got to wait till the weekend. But that right there shows you how the city is changing and being more open minded. Because he could just sit here all night and play classical music. Yeah. And some people might go and sit at that. But he's got different nights for different things. Coffee shops are like the thing. So to have like unique crafted coffee that's not just a big conglomerate says something else. I just feel like everything is tied together. That's what I saw this week. Yeah. Everybody's kind of roped in, doing stuff together, supporting each other. It's not even about, you know, hey, they'll tell you, go to this tasting room and try this. Mm-hmm. Go meet this person here. Not when they could really just speak about their own wines. Yeah. And they're not. Everybody's supporting everyone and saying, you should try this. You should go here. You should do that. Even the people at Dow was like, oh, my God, have you gone to Tooth and Nail? Did you go out to Justin's with Molly and see the terroir? She really explains it well. Yeah. Like, everyone was talking about someone else, not putting themselves at the forefront. And it's cool because you see that even beyond just, like, I'm going to yeah. notice that in the wine business here for a long time. I think convinced it's what makes Paso wine country so special. But it's like you may be at Spearhead Coffee, and they'll be telling you about some of the other. I mean, like, all the different industries. We have the, the owner from Finca, which is a Mexican restaurant yeah. up the street. And just this idea of everyone's trying to kind of like help each other and be all about each other and it's just an undeniable feeling it's an intangible feeling that you get when you're here huh i think it's just looking at what the pandemic has done to us i think it's made communities realize we really need communities to thrive our businesses yeah have you seen that even over in, in new york a lot of new york places have not reopened and they probably never will yeah and that's really sad because the mom and pop businesses the local not even just mom and pop the local smaller places like i had cute little wine bars i can run in have a glass or two and you can't now like that is impossible to do because they don't exist all the rents went up there's no community everyone's fighting for business you know staff is completely depleted this is the first town i've been in where there are people working yeah you know you go to a restaurant in new york they'll tell you now we have three waiters whole place is packed it's going to take you three hours to get dinner like that's happening a lot in big cities yeah where you can't even get a meal because there's no staff there and no one seems to recognize like what issues do we have that people don't want to come back and work for us so that's a great point yeah. Uh, the rootsfund.org. We also have Molly Scott here. Uh, we're at Justin at the downtown tasting room. What has been uh, of late going on at Justin? I know talking about scholarships. I mean, I have you guys on my morning show a couple times a year talking about the work you guys are doing with scholarships and the like. What's the latest with Justin? We've been pretty busy. And um, actually, Akimi, coming off of what you're saying, it's appreciative to hear your perspective because even while we feel we are so short-staffed, and we feel our hospitality sometimes isn't up to snuff. Um, it's nice to hear that your perspective is otherwise, because we hold a high standard, a high bar here in Paso, so that's appreciated. And at Justin, we've been quite busy, actually, just last Friday. We're really excited to share. We just awarded um, and completed our community grants process, so um, those applicants, we have about 
23 organizations wow. that we just awarded um, a total of $200,000 to. And Justin actually started this program back in 2013. So it's been a while now. And the goal was really to identify the need. Yeah. And it's drastically obviously changed over the years. And I think to date we've donated almost one point. $1 million wow. to the community. And a good portion of that also goes back to the schools. There was a lot that was identified through COVID, where we did our COVID relief grants. Now it's shifted. It's ensuring that these businesses and these organizations stay open. Yeah. That's been a, it's been a whirlwind, but I'm very, very excited that we're kind of identifying and honestly coming up with a long-term plan and keeping pace with seeing what's needed for the next five years, the next 10 years, right? It's not, we can't do these short-term commitments anymore. That's so interesting because, like, you know, we talk about how things change and kind of keeping yeah. abreast to, like, how things are changing, how we're going to kind of be malleable to right. to kind of solve the, the problems that we see kind of coming up. Right. Like, to give you an example, there's an, a local organization where really they identified that we have a huge Mixteco mm-hmm. population, right? So obviously with a lot of our crews and farm labor, and it's not just Hispanic, right? We are a trilingual community. And so this organization submitted a grant looking for an additional family advocate to connect them with services that's needed that is trilingual, right? And so it's an opportunity to provide funding so this person can stay employed in our community. That's so, cool. Yeah. Uh, JustinWine.com, right? Yes. How has everything been going on downtown? I mean, obviously, you got your Chimney Good. Rock location. Yeah. It's probably just bustling, probably at this moment right yeah, now. Yeah. The is. restaurant. Oh my gosh, it's crazy. Have you been out there? Have you been at the restaurant? Yeah. Well, we haven't eaten, but I will She's be back to do back. that because let yeah. me tell you. Yeah. It was giving me Michelin vibes. So oh my gosh! We'll be back. <laughs> she is so good out there, Chef Rachel. She uh, Rachel. she's on a mission for a Michelin. <laughs> yeah, I, I, honestly, I think it is the I think it is the finest fine dining experience here. Yeah. You know, and I love well. We we just got our first Michelin star with Six Tests, and we have a lot to be proud of there. Ricky's fantastic, yeah. but um, what they were doing out at Deborah's room, and then of course now the Justin Restaurant for years yeah. has been just like. I mean, I think that's the finest dining I know of. I it's, mean, it's remarkable. It's a treat. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely an experience. It's pretty fun. Last year, I can't think of when we stayed there. Oh, it was about a year or so ago. And it was when, when we talked to Justin. Justin, And sure. I was staying right next to him. Yeah. Talk about nervous, Ikimi. I got the, <laughs> the namesake in the, in the room next to me. It's like, isn't it like there's a chateau he could stay at? No, he stays right in the inn right next to you. So I'm like worried about being too loud. Oh, like, gosh. Uh, no, it was fine. But he was great. And then um, having dinner down there, yes. he was eating and then um, brings out the truffles and shaves those babies right over. Keep like, coming. Where does this even happen? Like, this is, this yeah. is Paso now. I give me give me a little bit of your calendar and and what you're doing month to month and if it's um, you know representing in different markets or working with with uh, potential scholarships what what are you into Yeah, so we've got um, scholarships opening again and you know in April um, the biggest event ever is I think we've all been inside during this pandemic haven't really had a chance to attend I've been to a couple wine events this year but April 27th we're doing our first annual auction in partnership with Zaki's sponsored by Wine Spectator pretty big deal. For first auction of its kind that's really feeding into people working in this industry that may not be farmer related because I think most of the other ones are but having an auction like that really seeing people show up um, put in things put in auction items that are going to definitely impact their communities their workforces Um, I think that that's a great thing but really this year our focus is we've got a high school program called fermenting the futures 
So we're going into the younger generation to get them into wine because most of us don't get into it to our late 20s. Yeah. Imagine how impactful we could be if someone told me at 18 that I could be a winemaker or at 18 that the marketing degree I wanted to do can go into the wine industry. Yeah. So kind of impacting that younger community. And then more enrichment trips like we're here in Paso. We'd love to come to Paso again this year. We're going to Champagne. We're going to Burgundy. We're going to spend time in Oregon, Washington, Finger Lakes, Sonoma. So a lot of the different places to really get the scholars out, getting them educated, and it's going to improve their studies, their ability to work in these great environments. Yeah. I think Adam and I could be some chaperones. There yeah, we go. Doesn't it sound incredible? Like, we're going to go to Burgundy. We're going to go to Champagne. I mean, even like Finger Lakes sounds so cool. I remember the yeah. first time I was at World of Pinot, and I'm tasting a Finger Lakes Pinot Noir, and you're learning again, like about a whole different terroir, a whole different climate. It's and it's really- learning about family, too. Yeah. That's a big part of this. That's a lot of legacy that you don't really know about. Hearing about the families, why they came here, um, what was their original reason for being here. We were at the resort yesterday and um, looking at pictures of what Wilshire and, and Beverly looked like back in the like, 1800s. And it's like a little dirt compact stop with a, with a guy sitting there. And you think now it's like the home of Louis Vuitton on that corner. Right, yeah. So just, <laughs> just looking about how things change, but more importantly, hearing the stories here what vines were planted first, why were they planted this way, what they thought was viable, how many people have come in and maybe planted something that wasn't successful, but someone else literally a mile away planted the same thing and had great success. Looking at the love for Cab, because when I think of Cab always, (laughs) we think Cab is only in Napa. Oh, please. I've had some great Cabs while I was here. Yeah. Well, that was one of those dirty little secrets for a long time. Napa was getting a lot of their Cab from here. I've also had a lot of Pinot that was awesome. Yeah. So when I see those back curtain vines, I'm like, there's some Pinot around here. There's some Bordeaux varieties around here. It's working. Yeah, the history of Pinot is really interesting because it dates back to like the late 60s with with big names like Andre Chelichev and stuff. So, yeah, so there's some really cool conversations to to be had with even Pinot in Paso. There's even history of that. Yeah, I just think that um, we should never be so jaded to think that wine comes from one particular place around the world it's the greatest joy of mine is to go around and try varieties i wouldn't expect in certain places because you'd be surprised how they grow yeah was there anything about paso that surprised you besides the great people i did see a lot of diverse work staffs that was very endearing it was great for our scholars to see as well like seeing a variety of women, seeing other people of color kind of coming in and working in the spaces. And I was like, where do you live? Like, do you live near here? And they're like, yeah, you know, I live here. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, seeing the openness and the possibilities for like reaching out and doing great things. Like, I think that um, Paso Alliance is doing a great job reaching out to people to get them to come here and visit. Because it can be a destination place in the wine industry. You know, you can fly to an airport close to here and come in right. and visit. There are great Airbnbs, great places to stay here. The resort, whatever you're into, Possible has something for everyone. And I think that's what surprised me because I had had on a blinder, like, I'm just going to have high alcohol, wrong wines, that's it. Oh. The people are going to be stuck here because they've been out in the country and they don't really know anything about what's going on in the modern world. But it's been the complete opposite, you know. Visiting the local coffee shops, breakfast places, just the community. Everyone knows everyone. People want to meet you, and it resonates. Yeah. The people here are really special. That's yeah. something that's always been really, um, not like surprise, but it always kind of comes back to that in some yeah. of these conversations, you know? You can have really nice 
you know, God can bless you with some great soil or some great climate. But yeah. when you have the people to kind sure. of round that out, it's really neat. And I think what it's, it's there's obviously a lot of camaraderie. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think, I, you know, I spoke to your group a lot about um, being fortunate enough to work with a wide range of growers that I'm learning from. Yeah. Right. There's a lot of people that I depend upon to teach me things. We're constantly having to adapt to obviously the changing climate and being the liaison between the grower and the winery. We all need each other. Yeah. Right. And I so, think looking at the cool farming techniques, sort of look at wineries and, and places around that are really trying to be cutting edge. And it's not necessarily about doing something cool, but can we do something that's not going to hurt the planet? It's going to move things forward. It's going to continue to give us great wine. Right. What can we invest into that? And I saw a lot of that at different places, people sharing ideas, talking about agriculture because we've gotten away from it, but that's really the core of what our businesses will be in the future. Yeah, a lot of mindfulness for that here. That's yeah. a good point. That's a really good point. What are some of the scholars saying to you? I Kimmy, what are they saying that, you know, that they're kind of like, oh, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling that? Sure, um, someone will tell me they're moving to Paso tonight. <laughs> <laughs> it, al- it always happens. I think the biggest part for them is that they've seen more careers that they can be involved in and really understand Um, I've got someone on the trip that's interested in growing and looks at a position like Molly's where, hey, I'm not a winemaker, but I want to look at what it means to be, you know, in grower relations, really understanding what that means, thinking about regenerative farming. So I think we've shown them a couple of other things. And then they went to Dow today to see the level of service and hospitality. I've got these great skills. Even though I'm in jeans and short boots, I can still deliver this top tier service level with great food, great wines, and it doesn't compromise anything. Like, there's lots of possibilities. Then it talks to the marketing people that we've met on this trip, like really understanding those roles and how they correlate to wine. And that keeps reminding me, I keep telling everyone, keep telling the scholars, and they really got it. In the van on the way back, we were getting out, and they said, transferable skills, we got it. We can bring all of them in. And meeting, you know, the ladies at J. Ducey today, knowing that they didn't come from this industry. Right. You know, one of them came from HR and database building and came in and took those database skills and is now using them to organize their members, you yeah. know, to u- utilize that skill set. So I think that they see opportunity. And that's really the goal. My What I've set out to do has been accomplished. Now they will go out and want to be entertained and talk about these other positions, you know. And I have three of the people on the trip, half of them already in the industry, just looking for growth. And the other two are in the industry part-time and now are like, I think I could really make a full switch now because I've seen some great things that I could do that could utilize my skills and my wine knowledge. What lights you up about this? Because I could see there's something really passionate about you forwarding this passion onto these scholars. So it grows, it cultivates, you know, you're planting seeds. Yeah. I'm in the business of people. I procure people. And um, it's my job to uplift them and and make their dreams come true and give them the support that they need to really excel. That's my biggest passion. I'm just fortunate enough I get to drink good wine and be in this industry to do it. Cheers to that, right? But that's really (laughs) what it's about. Because I feel like you. I mean, I started in radio. Yeah. I've been in radio for 20 years and been doing the wine thing just after living here for a little while, loving wine, really combining my love for radio and my new love at the time for wine. I'm like you. I'm in the game of people, and I love people and, and relating to them. And if you can do it, meet cool people like you with, yeah. with like a real heart for something important, and then have wine that tastes like this in the glass, like sign me up. You know, it's not even be called work to me. 
it's being purposeful you know yeah. you've got to find your purpose and really stick to that and find out what drives you and what pushes people forward and the greatest thing for me is to push others forward i've had a great career I've lived some great dreams. I think I'm on my third bucket list <laughs> and being fortunate to have those kind of things, but to be able to create it, like the magic for me is when a scholar tells me I've been trying for six years in my restaurant group to get promoted. I've been trying to get this certification and I can't afford it. And they've gotten the certification at distinction level. And we've gotten them a new career with a company that really wants to embellish them. Like that's the win for me. Yeah. If I can do that, replicate that a million times, then I'm truly doing something. But more importantly, it's impacting this industry. If you go to places like Napa now, I think I'm responsible for 80% of the people of color and the women that are there right now. Heck yeah, that's because so dope. I love they're that. they're everywhere and coming into it and coming into the space and, you know, coming to Paso, having that same effect to get that in their mind. Because they'll all talk to each other. They're already texting the other scholars, oh, man, if they do another Paso trip, you should come. Or forget it. I think I'm going to come back in a couple of weeks yeah. if you want to go. We can put something together. You know, that's what we're supposed to do. I want them to see all the wine regions and go what go where what resonates with them and i think they always go towards community i think it's just culturally it's a thing we resonate towards places that have good community you know you strike me as a woman who probably attacks this as there is still a lot more work to do but i imagine if you look over your shoulder at the past 19 months born out of a out of a dark time here in the summer of 20 um plagued by a pandemic on top of it i imagine it's got to be feel really good to see what that fire lit in you and your fellow folks at roots fund were able to do in this short amount of time i mean imagine when there's that much more behind you and what you're going to be able to accomplish yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot has been done, um, a lot of great work. We've built some great relationships. There's a lot more work to do, but we're doing it. And I think that's what most people get stuck in, the planning phase of it. And nothing ever happens, but we just do it, do it, do it, do it. Do it. Yeah. So. You mentioned before we jumped on the other, you don't do a lot of interviews. How come? Um, I think that I let the work speak for itself. I didn't feel it was necessary to interview. This is probably my second, to be honest, that I've done. I've done, and they've both been podcasts, which is so weird. I think I like talking with people, but more importantly, I needed a launch pad to start the work, to get people engaged around it. And now we've done the work and we're doing the work. So this is a great time to do interviews. I feel like a lot of times when you see people in the press talking about the great things they're doing, a lot of times you really dig deep and nothing's really happening. Yeah. I think now if you dig deep, you go look beyond the website or social if you reach out to any of our scholars they will tell you like it's it's live testimonials every day you'll see them communicating what this program has done how it has impacted them personally in their career but more importantly i see what it's done for the industry and that's what's super important i think that we've broken a lot of ground you know i look at our relationships in burgundy never existed no other organization i could never even imagine jeremy from dujac joining another board he's on our board and he's He's active. He's like my fundraising king next to me. <laughs> but um, just having people believe in the work. And I think once they see key people in the industry doing it, more people want to jump on. It's unfortunate that's the world we live in. But we've been fortunate to be blessed by people really seeing it happening and want to partner and want to do other things. You know, we started out in Lodi with that collective. And I was like, oh, I hope we get another one. You know, and then to work now with Paso working in Oregon with them. I think that everybody really sees what's necessary, but it's big for me and it speaks volumes that we could have delayed this trip for months. They were on it. I can me, let's do this now, this year. That tells me you're serious. That tells me that right. you want to look towards the future. That tells me that you're engaged. And then the itinerary they put together day four, 
I'm super impressed. It's tough itinerary, a lot, a lot to get through. Kept them busy, huh, Molly? Yeah. Very busy. <laughs> but <laughs> so effective. Yeah. You know, the scholars have got to see, we've accomplished them seeing all these different areas they can be in and wine. And really, that's the ultimate goal, you know. And I think that was important for us. You know, we uh, looked at building this itinerary and we said, look, sure, we can do the cellar tour. We can do the vineyard tour. But we need to touch on hospitality. She needs to see a marketing group. We need to go pack the wine club. We need yeah. to talk to Katie at Uncorked and learn how and why she started her bus tourism program. I mean, mm-hmm. there's so many facets and um, areas of people building their own brands in this business here in Paso. Yep. And it's, um, I hope that we gave you a good preview. Yeah, I think um, if anyone hasn't been, Paso is a great place to visit. It's a destination. If you want to learn about wine, even if you're not serious, but if you're also serious and you want to see something different, you want to see what some varieties do when they get together and have a little badass baby, like this is the place to be. Um, I love that about Paso. I love the community here, the restaurants. It's great food. It's great people, very welcoming. And everyone has been completely nice and, and welcomed us in and shared their knowledge. And they're not keeping it. So I think sometimes people keep it and they become gatekeepers of great tools. And then there's no one else around them trying to really elevate in the industry here. Everyone's been sharing their gems, giving their best secrets, saying, you know, this is what's made me successful. And that's what's important. Yeah, well put. I couldn't have said that even better. That's incredible. <laughs> Ikimi DuBose, she is from the Roots Fund, therootsfund.org. Who should be checking in? Anybody, obviously, who wants to uh, see, you know, further progression in this industry. Uh, if you maybe want to be a mentor, maybe you're a business listening with some great resources and you, they've been listening to you chat about this and they want to help and they want to donate all these folks and more they can all find help on the website yes so on the website if you are interested in wine education and want to be a scholar if you're in the hospitality industry in restaurants anywhere and want to transition to wine get in apply for our scholarships join our newsletter if you work in this industry and i mean if you are the person that's making a wine list greeting people at the door has worked in a vineyard does production does growing you can be a mentor in our program there's no special requirement you just go on our site and fill out the form and if you have jobs to post like if you're doing some great work on dei and you're really serious about inclusivity and it shows in your daily practices reach out to us and post a job Like, we have the largest network of people of color working in the wine industry. So if you really want to make that statement and you're really looking to push the needle forward, then you should reach out to us. Does this rank maybe at least top two interviews? Yes, it does. (laughs) (laughs) Look, you're you're the best one this year. Okay, I'll talk about that. I'll take it. Well, there we go. I'll take it. I had a great time. Uh, I came to Dubose. Really, what a pleasure to get a chance to meet you, sit at a table, share some great wine. Gosh, yes. it's Reserve Malbec. Damn. Tasty. Yeah, these good. are some good wines. Uh, it'd be fun to kick it with you for a few more minutes. And yeah. let me do some quick hits on you. Have you been to Sensorio? I have not. <gasps> okay, we got to take it to Sensorio. Do you know what that is? That's the Field of Lights. Oh. Out on the east side. I have not. Oh, my God. It's an experience. We'll figure it out. Yeah. And then um, it's... <laughs> But it's nuts. And then, have you ziplined yet? I have not ziplined in the U.S. I did it in uh, Chile. If you did it in Chile, we got regulations here. So you'll be very happy to know that it's a lot safer here. I don't know. She's got a small fear of heights, though. So do I. But even I get... get So at Margarita Ranch, they got these ziplines literally over Pinot Noir vineyards. And you're just like... 
it's so fun. I want to I've do it. So, yeah, so you would do it? I would do it. Okay, cool. So the zip lines, will, we already are starting an itinerary starting for next, next time. Trip. All right. I'll be back. You can hang out with me next time? Yes, I will definitely hang out with you. <laughs> Love it. Thank appreciate you for having you. me. Cheers. Thank you, Molly. I appreciate you. Yeah. <laughs> and thanks to the Apostle Wine Alliance. We appreciate your support and look forward to our continued relationship. Absolutely. Love I just thank you so much for taking time with me, Akimi. I know you've had a completely stacked itinerary for you to take some of your time really means a lot to me so thank you very much i appreciate it thank you for having me like i said everyone visit paso check out the paso wine alliance they're big supporters of the roots when you know what i say if they support us then you should support them we're downtown at justin's the reserve malbec is awesome mm-hmm. go out to their restaurant it's michelin vibes it's happening very soon and uh-huh. it's just super cute yeah totally and i love that I cheers clink 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 cheers where wine takes you give me that the job is camped out in the trees. It will simplify good company. So much thanks to Ikimi and, of course, Molly. I love meeting new people. And I loved Ikimi's story of that grind and that love and how not only was she sure of what she wanted and showed that fire to earn it, but she didn't stop there. No, she really feels the fulfillment when she's helping as many others as she can also see that dream through. Also seeing how much Ikimi connected to Molly was cool. Because although I've always been impressed by Molly, I mean, shoot, we all are. Seeing what she does and the many facets she does it and be used as an instrument to help others and share Paso has got to feel great to her. And Paso Wine and Justin are lucky to have a heart like that in their corner. Fun conversation. Okay, so next episode, we will be talking all about WineFest, and I am excited. I'm getting together two of my faves, Joe Barton of Barton Family Wines and Grey Wolf and Austin Hope of Austin Hope and Triana Tasting Cellar. Now, these guys are a full plate by themselves, but together it's going to be nuts. And they both really turn it up with their brands for WineFest. Joji always has fun with his crew, always has something under the table, some little kind of thing. Make sure you ask about what's under the table at Barton Family Wines, no doubt. And then Austin Hope and his crew, man, they bring themes to the next level. I've seen like their booth out there with like a freaking boat next to it. I mean, it's nuts what they do. Both of these guys go, they turn it up to 11 and have a blast on WineFest, and they're going to be perfect to chat with next week as we gear up for it. Remember, May 19th through 22nd, PasoWine.com for tickets to WineFest. They are putting together the auction, which I'm really stoked to talk about next week. I'm going to have some more cool info on that, including maybe even a Where Wine Takes You package that could be a super worthy lot to bid on. We're putting together now. I'll have more for you next episode. But in the meantime, when you go to PasoWine.com and check out all the info for Paso WineFest, don't forget, when you buy your ticket, use the promo code WWTY. Where wine takes you, right? W-W-T-Y. Use that promo code and save 20% off your ticket price at PasoWine.com. Original music on the podcast, Good Company, performed by Moonshiner Collective. Check them out on Spotify or MoonshinerCollective.com. Make sure you visit PasoWine.com for any and all things Paso before your next trip. And follow Paso on Instagram at PasoWine. Where Wine Takes You is executive produced by Joel Peterson and Paso Wine. Associate producer is Jen Bravo. Where Wine Takes You is recorded, edited, produced by yours truly. You can follow me on Instagram at Adam on the Air. 
And next time you are cruising around the Central Coast, you can tune me in on your radio. My morning show, Up and Adam in the Morning, heard weekday mornings on Wine Country Radio, The Crush, 92.5. It's where we also do the Cork Dorks and all the wine programming. We stream the station, too. You can go to Crush with a K, Crush925.com. Also got the free Crush app. Well, I love connecting here with you like this. I am your host, Adam Montiel. And until next time, where we talk wine fest, lift that glass high. Wish you were here. Cheers to strong roots, new friendships, and enjoying the journey of where wine takes you. And give me that passion. Get by, we pass on down till the job is Get out in the trees, it will simplify on good comp. Give me that moonshine. Get by, we pass on down till the job is